This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. If you would, let's bow our heads together and we'll get into what I want to share with you today. Father, thank you again for such a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful family called the church. We're so grateful, Father God, that you've raised uh, this place up um, for a time such as this. And God, we thank you for each and every family member as we pray for them today, even those that are not with us. And God, we ask your blessing upon each and every one of their lives. Thank you for granting them your wisdom. Thank you for the counsel that they need and understanding, Father, for decisions that they're uh, facing. We thank you, Father God, for strengthening them in difficult times. We thank you, Lord God, for giving them what it is that they have need of for whatever hour they find themselves to be in. We thank you, Lord, for victory. We thank you for what it is Jesus provided. And Father, as we look into the Word of God here today, again, we just thank you, Father, for opening the eyes of our understanding, that our hearts may be enlightened to know what is the hope of your calling. And we thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everyone said, Amen. Amen. If you'd like, you can open your Bibles, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11. If you were with us last week, we began talking to you about priorities, about putting first things first. It's kind of interesting as we were uh, getting ready um, uh, to attend church this morning, Joan and I were in the bathroom and Joyce Meyer was uh, preaching, teaching about this very same thing. I thought to myself, she stole my sermon, you know? But <clears throat> probably more, more uh, likely, there is a, a, a consistency or a constancy of the Spirit of God speaking to the body of Christ about the things that are most needful and, and important today. And she just happened to be talking again about priorities and about putting God first was essentially the message that she was sharing. But, uh, you know, life really does have priorities, and if those priorities are out of line or ill-ordered, it can obviously, uh, it can create some problems. So you have to ask yourself the question, you know, what, what are your, what are, what are my priorities? What are my priorities? Uh, because the reality is, whatever they are, doesn't make any difference, but whatever your priorities, they control and they, they influence your decisions because whatever it is that's most important to you, you're gonna to lean to that. You understand that, don't you, huh? And you're probably gonna move in that direction. But those things, you know, when we make these choices and decisions about what it is that seems to be most important to us, it also, you know, it also brings about a, a, an outcome. And sometimes if we make the wrong decisions and the wrong choices, it's an outcome that we're not really wanting to have as a part of our life. So, you know, in what order would you place for example, your job, your spouse, your children, the church, or your relationship with God, what order would you put them in? And, you know, some people, you know, they're all career-minded and they've spent their whole life, you know, with their career and things. And, and if, in fact, that's, you know, what your life is all about, then so be it. But, you know, there are a lot of other things perhaps that maybe are, and I, again, I'm not pounding that. I'm just saying that, you know, when you make this decision, it impacts all the rest of them. 
And so it's important for us to think about those kinds of things. I use this verse of scripture, Jeremiah chapter 29, 11. I, I've, I've quoted it often because uh, as a matter of fact, it's probably one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. And the reason that I do it is, is because it so uh, um, clearly reveals God's heart toward us as his children. And, and this particular verse that we're reading this morning is, is couched within the context of, you know, God's pronouncement to Israel about judgment that had come upon them for 70 years because of disobedience. How many of you know when you disobey God, it just all turns out wrong? Well, they ended up, you know, Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar came down and laid siege to the whole place. And they suffered, you know, in, in, in Babylon for uh, 70 years. And God said at the end of 70 years, I'll, you know, basically turn your captivity and, you know, you'll, 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 you'll come to understand. You know, one way or another, people end up getting humbled. You know, the Bible says to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God that you may be exalted in due time. Who, who's responsible to do that? We are, yeah. So if you humble yourself under his mighty hand, you'll be exalted in due time. But if you don't humble yourself and you get all proud and all that, well, then other things will. Because pride always leads to a fall. And so in the case of Israel, you know, uh, essentially, I mean, <clears throat> there may be other uh, uh, specifics to this, but they basically said, God, we don't want to follow you. We don't, we don't need you. We can do our own thing. People are that way a lot. But you know what? You need God more than you know. We all need him desperately. And the Bible says that they that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. Uh, filled? Will be filled. That's the word, Mary, I was looking for. They that hunger and thirst after righteousness will be filled. So the scripture that we're about to read is again given basically on the heels of this judgment that they have experienced. And notice in verse 11, I'm reading from the uh, New International Version, which will be up on the screen. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the who? The who? So in other words, you and I are about to have the book open to us so that we can see the will of God. For I know the plans or thoughts that I have for you, declares the Lord. Notice it goes on to say, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. How many of you are glad for that? God wants to prosper you. That's, that's not, that's not uh, uh, what would you call that? Uh, uh, bad theology at all. It's Bible. And yet so many people, you know, they thought different things. Well, anyway, that's not our subject. But he said, plans to prosper you, not to harm you. Plans to give you hope. I like that. And to give you a future. Everybody say it together. The future is bright. You say, well, it doesn't look like that to me. Well, you're looking at the wrong thing. I'd rather look at this verse of Scripture and know that God wants to prosper me, not to harm me, to give me hope in a future. I, my future's bright in Him. And I'm going to accept that as the testimony and the witness of what it is that God wants to do in my life, not all this other stuff. Are you listening to me? And so it's important for us to understand that. He goes on then to say, then will you call upon me and come and pray to me and I will listen to you. And you will seek me and find me when you seek me, now notice, with all your, what's that last word? 
with all your heart. And I'll be, I'll be found by you, declares the Lord, and I'll bring you back from captivity. So we use this verse of Scripture again to clearly communicate the absolute will of God, uh, <clears throat> really for every human being. But you know, a lot of folks, they don't even know God. They don't know anything about the will of God. When I was a teenager, I was clueless about God's will for my life. That's why you ought to thank God for Pastor Brian and every other church worker that's over there teaching your kids the truth about God's, God's word or will for their lives. I didn't know any of this. And, and uh, so you just go blind and without. But it communicates the absolute will of God for each and every one of us, especially the believer. And so I want to use this scripture as an anchor, or uh, we could say a stake, you know, regarding the will of God for your life. You can't judge you know, by your experience or your circumstance or what somebody else said or thought or the way you feel or whatever, if you do that, you'll be in no man's land. Are you listening to me? So, so it, 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 it just, the, the Bible has got to become the, the thing from which you measure your life. Now, Pastor Brian brought this uh, uh, prop, and I can't think of any better. Maybe it uh, bears repetition, but this is a level. It's a better one than his, but, you know. <laughs> but here's the thing. You know, if you want to find out what level is, you put this on there, and there's a little bubble right there, and it'll tell you whether or not you're level. Now, what's unfortunate about people sometimes is they say, I don't care what the level says. I think that life ought to be like this. I want my life to be like this. Well, you're entitled to that. God's made you a free moral agent to decide whatever it is that you want to do. But I'm telling you this much about it. If you want life and life more abundantly, if you want it to go well with you, you better use this. You better use the word of God in order for you to be able to decide which end is up. Are you with me? I use, you know, the aircraft quite a bit, but the reality is, is if you're not an instrument-rated Christian, you fly into the clouds, you have no point of reference. Everything looks the same. So you don't know whether you're straight and level or if you're flying, you know, with a bank or if you're going up or down. Actually, you can hear the engine and it'll tell you a little something, but the, the long and the short of it is you're lost. And if you don't get your beady little eyes on the instruments that are in front of you, you're gonna end up dead. And there's a, there's a certain amount of truth to that when it comes to the Bible. But what we, don't, what we have a hard time doing sometimes as human beings is, is we don't want to yield. We don't want to surrender. We don't want to put ourselves under the authority of what God has said. And guess what? It inevitably gets all of us in trouble. And it isn't the Father's fault. And it certainly is not his will, because we just got done reading it, isn't that right? So there ain't no use blaming him. There ain't no use blaming the church. There ain't no use blaming the preacher. Certainly not him. Preachers aren't perfect, neither are churches, but God is. And so we just have to, you know, you have to come to understand uh, that the Word of God, again, has to be the level or the, well, however you want to, you know, say it. 
And I think one mistake that a lot of Christians make in their walk with Jesus is, and, and, and you just think about this with me, I don't think they've ever settled the simple idea that God's word is gonna become final authority for them. In other words, you just, you just say, you know, there's some things that need to happen here, and one of them is this. If God's word says it, I believe it, and that's the way it is. Okay? We're not going to try to explain it away. We're not going to try to make it fit into our circumstance or, you know, the way we think or whatever the case might be. We're just going to listen to the Bible and whatever the Bible says, and it's going to be it. Huh? Jesus said, I give you one new commandment, that you love one another as I've loved you. By this shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. One commandment. Because the reality is, is if you love people, you're not going to commit adultery against them. You're not going to lie to them. You're not going to bear false witness, you know, as the scriptures say. And, and you're not going to do any of the things that the other commandments talk about. In the commandments, the Ten Commandments that we know of, four of them deal with our relationship with God. He said, you shall not have any other gods before me. If you love God, you're not going to be choosing other things to serve as your God. So four of them deal with our relationship with him. The other six deal with our relationship with one another. And we need those. (laughs) Amen. Because of our relationships with one another. But again, you know, are we going to decide in our hearts, that we're going to let the Word of God be the final authority in our life. And this will kick against your emotions. It will kick against the desire to be unforgiving. It will kick against the temptation to be jealous. It'll kick against your wanting to be bitter. In other words, all of the emotional feelings that we have will very often want to resist what the Bible has to say, can I get a witness? But we have to make a decision. We walk by faith, not by the way we feel. Isn't that right? And that's one decision you have to make. No, I don't care. I'm going to walk by what the Word says regardless of why, you know, how, I, how I'm feeling. Now, you can go to the Lord and say, God, you know exactly how I'm feeling. I want to kick the wall out. Huh? But I know that's not going to do any good because I'll have to fix the wall. (laughs) You know, we always think it would make us feel better. But that's one thing that has to happen. You know, Abraham, in his relationship with God, he was 75 years old when God first approached him. He said, if you get out from amongst your countrymen and to a place that I'll show you, he says, I'll make you a great and mighty nation. You'll be blessed coming in, going out, and this and that and the other. And he went and followed. He was 75 years old when that started. But you know, the manifestation of the promise that God gave to him that he would have a child of Sarah didn't happen for 24 or 5 years. So he had a journey that he had to take, if you want to call it that, just like you and I. I mean, we're, we're at different stages of spiritual growth and development in our lives, and, and hopefully we're moving in the right direction. Can you say amen? amen. Okay? And so as we're doing that, you know, uh, we, we, we have these challenges. We have these struggles. We, we have to get it figured out in our, our hearts and heads about what it is that's going on. And, and, and it's a process. You know, the Bible says uh, of Abraham, I used him as an example, that he staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God and being fully persuaded. Everybody say that. Fully persuaded. 
when he was fully persuaded that what God had promised, he was able also to perform. Guess what? He didn't always do real well in that whole thing. He had those moments in his life when he questioned God. When Sarah said, well, you know, why don't you just take Hagar and maybe that'll work out. It didn't work out. It was a disaster. And we're still paying for it. And so you have to understand that there is a plan that God has, and we just have to stay the course. But thank God he got to the place. Everybody say hallelujah. Yeah, he got to the place where he said, you know what, I believe God, that it shall be according to his word for me. And so, of course, they had a child named Isaac. So often people's persuasions are, are influenced by religion. In other words, man's take on what God said, or what we could say sometimes is, you know, God making him, uh, or I should say it this way, man making God fit what they want, you know? Like, for example, in the way of salvation. Many men, people, have come to the conclusion that, you know, if you get baptized in water, you become a member of the church, you know, and you jump through all of our hoops, you're good to go. But you know what? Your relationship with God hasn't one thing in the world to do with none of that. It's about your heart and whether or not you've ever really surrendered your heart, all of it, to him, to his will. You can forget about all the other stuff. Because there's a bunch of folk, unfortunately, because of ignorance or because of just willfully choosing not to follow after what it is that the Bible, the Bible says, whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. In other words, recognizing your need for a Savior and repenting of your sin. The Bible says all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I didn't, I didn't make the rules. But the reality is, is that we are born into sin, and without him, we are powerless to do anything about it. So performance can't be what gets you into the kingdom of heaven, and eternal life is not possessed by your good works. But a lot of folk don't know that. <clears throat> Unfortunately, we want our own efforts to count to matter. And they do. The Bible teaches good works. You just can't get saved by them. Are you with me? So you get the cart in front of the uh, uh, horse, and then all of a sudden you're in no man's land out in the weeds. So religion can cause that. Other uh, things, people's persuasions, get influenced by, you know, something that someone else said. Like, well, mama used to say, well, thank God for mama. Huh? Come on. We like mama. But the reality is, is that if mama's doctrine is all messed up, <laughs> we don't want to use that. Thanks for your enthusiasm. Boy, I got some real response out of that. How about, uh, you know, people's persuasion being influenced by an emotional decision regarding the will? Well, you know, I just feel. Well, thank God for your feelings, but your feelings are fickle. What's that mean? They're, they They change. And that's why so many people have such a roller coaster kind of relationship with God. You know, they're just dominated by their emotions and feelings. They're up today, man, they're on the mountaintop, and then we're down the valley. Praise God, when Jesus came and gave his life, the valley's left. 
Now, again, that doesn't mean that you're not going to face challenges and difficulties and have to deal with stuff. But praise God, the Bible says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And when you're feeling good and when you're not feeling good, when things are going great and when things aren't going great, when you have something come your way that blindsided you and you didn't, I'm telling you, Jesus is the same. You know, all this stuff we got going on right now in our world. I mean, it's not like this caught God by surprise. Huh? He, he, he's the same. He doesn't care about people's political persuasions. He doesn't care about people's psychological thinking. He doesn't care about the cultural changes and shifts that are going on constantly within societies and people, you know, and whatever it is that that they might be thinking. His word is constant. And it does not change no matter how stupid we sometimes become. You know, I mean, we've said it all. I mean, you, all of us, you know, over the past few years, we're thinking, man, you can't even make this stuff up. Well, they have. Huh? But I'm just telling you, no matter what it is that they think about this being, you know, well, that's not white, that's black. Well, that's not black, that's white. Sounds like the devil to me. God said in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 9, Woe unto those that call good evil and evil good. And that narrative is everywhere within the world in which you and I live. So you say, well, what do we do about it? Ignore it. Refute it. Rebuke it. Stand against it. Don't believe that. Are you listening to me? Again, we come back to the fact that it has to be the Word of God. Um, Another thing that helps (laughs) or causes people's persuasion to be influenced is current circumstance, past experiences, you know. I, I mean, I'll give you my own example. You know, when I grew up as a kid growing up, you know, we were always busted and broke. Didn't have a dime to our name. And if I hadn't gotten a hold of the Word of God to find out the will of God for my life, that that influence that conditioning, that environment that I would have grown up in. That's what you see happening all the time, you know. People, you know, they, uh, they live in certain circumstances. Those circumstances influence them. If you're growing up in a family that's at risk, if you don't get something turned around, you're going to be a family that's at risk. And they're going to be a family that's at risk. And all of these things are going to happen until you break the cycle of that curse through the word of God and the knowledge of the truth, then you're just in a mess. I'd have been just like my dad. I, you know, I'd have followed in his footsteps until I got saved. And then all of a sudden, thank God, his mercy broke me out of all of that business. And I began to learn that, 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 that there's a new way of life and living that comes through the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm sure my folks didn't know what to think about it when I got saved. They are probably just glad that I, I stopped getting in trouble. They may not have understood it, but they were happy. Are you with me? And so some of those things, even in your life, you know, you grew up in a broken home. You grew up, you know, some kind of jaded, messed up, whatever, you know. Uh, the priorities of that home was all messed up. The person that was in charge was all wrong. I mean, I don't know. 
Maybe your brother raised you or your sister or whatever. You know, but whether you like it or not, those things impact your life. But thank God you can take the word of God, the washing of the water of the word, and you can get yourself righted, and you can come to understand the truth, glory to God, and you can have the kind of life that only God can give you. Are you listening to me? But you've got to pursue it, I'll tell you that. You've got to get hungry for it. And unfortunately, a lot of folk, they aren't. <clears throat> and then, of course, the other thing, I'm talking about different things that keep us out of the will of God is personal desires and wishes. And that's just like, well, I don't want to do the will of God. I want to do my own thing. Well, again, it's your choice. But I tell you what, praise God, I'd rather fight for what God wants than what you want. Tell your flesh to shut up. Huh? You don't need another Twinkie. <laughs> Last night, Joan and I, our, our granddaughter, made us these uh, um, cookies. And it's a cookie, and then she's got some, what is that? Frosting. Frosting on the inside, and then another cookie on top of that. Sounds pretty good, doesn't it? The only problem about Lily is, is that, you know, <sighs> More is better. So when it comes to the frosting, I mean, it's like, you know, there's a lot on it. But you can eat anything if you have a glass of milk. Are you listening to me? Um, so anyway, where, how did I get off on that? Oh, your flesh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, amen. Sometimes you just have to uh, put it in its place. The Bible says, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby, if so be that you've tasted that the Lord is gracious. How many of you have tasted that he's good? Huh? So desire the, insin- the sincere milk of the word. And if you do, you will grow. You will absolutely grow. The Bible says in 2 Timothy 2 and 15, study or be diligent to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. If it says that the word of God is to be rightly divided, that means it can be wrongly divided. And we see that in a lot of doctrines and things that we hear these days. But it goes on then to say, shun profane and vain babblings, for they will increase unto more, more ungodliness. People, some people just want to argue for the sake of argument. You know, just don't even get into that kind of nonsense because it really genders strife. So priority number one has to be that God's word is in your life, that it is influencing you and you're in submission to it. And when we do that, praise God, we set ourselves up for success and for blessing. David is a good example. <clears throat> Excuse me. I wish we had time. I mean, there's so many things. Read the Psalms that David wrote about the Word of God. And his, you know, the Bible makes reference to him as a man after God's own heart. I mean, he put God first. I, wanna, I want you to note this one particular scripture in Psalm 19, verse 89. He says this. He said, forever. Everybody say forever. Forever. That means forever. <laughs> forever, O Lord, is your word settled in heaven. Your faithfulness is to every, all generations. How many of you are living in a generation? Well, the Bible says that God's faithfulness is in your generation. 
toward you. It goes on to say, you have established the earth and it abides. In other words, it's, you know, my wife and I are sitting out on the porch last night watching the sun go down. And we got to talking about, uh, you know, the, uh, <laughs> she looks so forward to the winter solstice because she knows at least now we're going back the other direction and it's going to get more light every day. And I said, well, baby, you're only 53 days away, you know, or whatever the number was. And so we're sitting there, we're talking about all of this, you know, and, and talking about, <clears throat> you know, uh, our son-in-law, Glenn, the Norwegian, you know, up there, I mean, it's like 18 hours of dark right now. It's a bummer, okay? And so we were talking about that whole dynamic and this and that and the other. <clears throat> and the more that we talked about it, the more incredibly amazed I, I, I became at the handiwork of God. Because here we are on this little piece of dirt that spins on its axis and without fail, timelessly, year after year, this thing will go And it hasn't been doing it for a little while. It's been doing it for thousands of years. Now, I don't even pretend to understand that other than God said, this is what you're going to do. And the earth said, yes, sir. So all of the earth and all of nature does what God says. Now, there is a God in this world, the God of this world, not necessarily the world itself, but the world system that has brought curse to this world. The, wor the, the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. The devil don't, doesn't own the earth. It's God's. But his system is here, his, his sinfulness, disobedience, rebellion, curse, whatever you want to call it is here. And the Bible says the earth itself groans in travail, waiting for the manifestations of the sons of God so it can get out from underneath it. But nature itself, God has said it, and it is doing it. And it's amazing. Huh? So when, so when uh, <clears throat> David is writing here, he says, Thou hast established the earth, and it abides, or it stands. It's going to keep, you know, forget about all your, you know, global warming and stuff like that. Dude, the earth is going to keep doing what it's doing until God says do something else. Are you listening to me? So anyway, a lot of folk won't like that, but I don't really care. It's a lie, dude. It's deceived the whole world. It is an avenue through which the devil is using to destroy you and everything in this world by a lie. It's a lie. Whoo! Hallelujah. Notice this. It's talking about the earth and that it stands or abides. It says that, that all of creation they continue this day according to your ordinance. All for all are your servants. You know, we ought to be at least as smart as nature and do what nature does. What does nature do? It obeys God. 
It does what it is that God. So notice here, he said, they're all your servants. And then it goes on to say in verse 92, unless your law had been my delight, I should then have perished in my own affliction. In other words, unless I would have put your word first, huh? Make the word your delight, your, the law of God my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. You remember when David and his crew came back from Ziklag and the thing was burned with fire and everything was taken from them, all their kids, children, everybody, and, and their, their wives and all that they possessed, and they burned it with fire. That's an affliction. That is a test. That is a trial. And, and David said that unless I had made your law my delight, I would have perished in my affliction. And the reason I say that is, is because when all this went down, nobody was seeking God about it. They were all just mad. And they wanted to take his life and stone him because he was their leader. And if he hadn't let them off, they'd have been there to defend. But the Bible says that David, everybody say, wow, was he smart. David encouraged himself in the Lord his God. So how did he do that? Well, he had to remind himself of what the word said. He had to remind himself of God's faithfulness. He had to remind himself of what God could do in the midst of adversity. And, it, you know, finally he said, hey, let's pray. Get the ephod out. They sought God. He said, shall we pursue? God said, go get him and thou shalt recover all. Hallelujah. Well, you know, if he hadn't made the word his delight, if he hadn't decided God's word's going to be final authority, he wouldn't have done that. And the Bible says he would have perished in his affliction. So when you're in a mess, you just need to know, glory to God, this is another opportunity for God to show himself strong in my life and I'm going to trust him and he is going to turn up big. Glory to God. Well, a few of you are convinced. <clears throat> Amen. I know it's difficult. I know it's challenging. But my, my Lord, you guys, come on. We've heard it and heard it and heard it. It's time to believe. It's time to trust. It's time to put away all the other reasonings of life and say, I don't care what it looks like. God is bigger than any problem that I will ever face. I tell you, big victories come out of big battles. And maybe you're in one right now. It might be with your kids. It might be with your marriage. It might be with your finances. It might be with your health. I mean, I don't know what it is, but I'm telling you what, here's the book right here. And it's the truth. And the truth will do what? It'll set you free. Glory to God forever. You know, I might as well use this illustration. Come here, Isla. No, I'm just kidding. You stay there with Johnny. <clears throat> Anybody know what this is? Plumb bob. Plumb line. What does this do? It tells you what is straight. Huh? I don't care what you think about it. This right here tells you what's straight up and down. Right? But what ends up happening with a lot of folk is they say, well, I don't believe the Bible. I think it ought to be like this. You know what? I don't care what you believe. This ain't straight. <laughs> this is straight. 
People use this. My son, uh, Pastor Brian, he has got an eye. He can walk into a room and look at something and goes, that ain't right. Makes me mad. Because when I'm doing something, literally, I'm not kidding you, I'll do something and I'll look at it and I, I know it's not right either, but it's okay. But you know what? I will stink and fix it because I know he's going to come in and go, well, that ain't straight. And I don't want to hear it. How many of you are like that? You just walk in someplace and you know right away it ain't right. It's crazy. Leave me alone. But I think sometimes that's the way we are with the word too. Pastor, leave me alone. Don't tell me the truth. I don't want to hear it. Yellow. What, well, what are we supposed to do? Fix it. Because this right here is where success is. Are you with me? So you just choose the word. I'm choosing the word. I'm choosing the word. I'm choosing the word. I'm choosing the word. Uh, and especially when it comes, and I think probably the thing that probably throws people more than anything else is just our emotion. It, it, it just gets us in trouble. Huh? So you just got to stop it. <laughs> huh? The Bible says in Psalm 119, 105, the word is a lamp unto my feet and a light to my path. What's that mean? It shows me the next step that I have to take each and every time. And it also shows me my future, the path that I need to go. So lamp, light, huh? The word of God. God told Israel, now we talked about David, but God told Israel this. He said, every commandment that I command you today, you must, listen, you must be very careful to observe. Why? That you may live and multiply. Does this not say the same thing God communicated in Jeremiah 29, 11? I know the plans I've got for you. They're plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope and give you a future. So this verse, he said, the things that I'm telling you right now here, as, as you know, uh, we give commandment to you, he said, the things I give you today, you must be careful to observe. Paul re-echoed this in Ephesians chapter 5 and 17. He said, be very careful how you live. Huh? So he says here that you may live and multiply, go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers, and you will remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, test you, to know what was in your heart so that you could keep, whether you would keep your, his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna which you didn't know nor did your fathers know, that you might that he might make you to know that man shall not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's it. I said, that's it. So <clears throat> the priority needs to become God's living word in our life. What do I mean by that? Well, it, there is a necessity in our life to have its regular, everybody say regular, regular influence. You guys, if you don't have a devotional life, if you don't have a time when you have devotions, get one. It's not a big deal. And the reality, it's, 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 
you know, it's, it, it's a place to start. And the reality is, is if you have the devotion, at least at, on some level, you are being influenced. You're reading the Word, you know, and, and, or, you know, whatever uh, devotional that you're using. But there needs to be a daily or regular influence of the Word in your life. Also, there needs to be an ongoing submission to its counsel. And that's tough. I said, that's tough. I said, are you human? That can be really difficult sometimes. Now, I want you to love them. I want you to pray for them. And you say, I don't want to pray for them, and I don't want to love them. Huh? Now, we're going to have, have any of you ever experienced that before? If you, if you tell me you haven't, we're going to have a prayer line for liars. Because <laughs> we all do. Okay? But we need to have an ongoing submission to the count, uh, submission to the counsel of God. And also, and you know, there has to be an uncompromising stand that you have as you hold to the truths of God's word. And, and inevitably, people are not going to agree with you. I don't remember what it is that Joyce said in this uh, lesson that she was teaching, but she just said essentially that if you're going to obey God, people are going to get mad at you. Is that the way she said that? Yeah, something to that effect. In other words, you cannot possibly please everyone in your decision-making process that you're going to obey God. And sometimes it's the people closest to us, your relatives, your family, you know, they're, they're ticked off because, you know, you won't live in the same way that they do. You know? Some of them, they have these great big reunions. It's nothing but a great big drunken party. And then they get ticked because you're not coming. Been there, done that, rode the horse. Anybody that laughs, you know that they've been there. You know? Because that's what we deal with. Isn't that right? You know? They get offended and all kinds of things like that. Trust me, it, it's just, it's going to happen. Jesus said it would. They persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. But thank God we don't have to listen to that. So, here's the thing, you guys. I mean, think about this. We're all ill-equipped to do life without counsel of God's living word. You, you don't have a clue. We think we do. I remember when I was a kid growing up, you know, I thought I knew everything. Huh? Guess what? <laughs> I discovered I don't know nothing. And even now, you know, I mean, thank God for what we do know, but you're not very smart without him. Okay? Uh, Jack Hayford, Jack uh, was a uh, pastor of Van Nuys uh, Church on the way out in uh, Van Nuys, California. And for many years, large church, two campuses, 12,000 people, prolific writer, uh, incredible mind. I mean, the guy had something going on. Here's what he said. We are, we are all inexperienced in too much of life to be without a guide. Let me read it to you again. We are all inexperienced in too much of life to be without a guide. God's word is that guide. Huh? You know? It's, it's an instruction manual for life. You know, we kid about it all the time where guys say, well, I don't, need no, I don't need no instructions. Put this thing together. You know, but, you know, when it comes to your finances, guess what? You know, if you don't get some instruction, you're going to be in no man's land. Huh? 
If you don't learn about stewardship, if you don't learn about how to manage and take care of money and, you know, save money, different things like that, the world says, you don't need to save money. Listen, we have plastic. And you can get your plastic out, and I'm telling you what, we can make it happen. You deserve it. And so, go for it. Well, guess what? That's all well and good, except when you can't afford it. And then what? Well, and then we're, you know, flying upside down. Are you with me? Flying, you know, you have flying upside down. You know, um, I've told you the story of my wife. When I got my private pilot's license, I was excited. I was giddy. Come on, man, let's go flying. And, and what does she say? I like my pilots a little more seasoned. In other words, no, I ain't going with you until you figure out what's going on. And maybe that's a good idea. I don't know. But the reality is, is you can't just go jump in a plane and say, hey, let's go flying if you don't have a clue how the thing works. Are you with me? Well, if these things are problematic, what do you think life is going to be like if you don't get an instruction manual to figure it out? When I was, uh, I think, maybe uh, 14 years old, I took scuba diving lessons in a pool. And then we went up to Okaboji, you know, went to Westlake because it's pretty deep and went scuba diving. But there again, you know, you just can't, you just can't slap on a, a, a tank and say, giddy up, you know, because there's a lot of different things that can go really wrong. Are you with me? Well, I don't need this Bible. I don't need, I do life. I, you know, I whatever. Yeah, and you'll end up in a ditch someplace too. Are you with me? How many are you glad you came today? Amen. Um, is it really after 11? You guys are such great listeners. Okay. Yep, we got to get to here. So here's a question, you guys. You ready for this? What are you going to do, child of God? Huh? What are you going to do now? You've heard this message twice, actually, in varying forms. But you've heard, what are you going to do? You know, I asked you last week, you know, uh, uh, what was it I asked you last week? Uh, <laughs> um, something about... It'll come to me. Hang on. But what are you going to do with what it is that you've heard? You say, well, I'm still back there at that question. You got me hanging there. I, yeah, I know. Yes, that's what it was. Thank you so much, honey. This woman has sat on a front row for 45 years listening to me preach twice a week, and she comes up with it. What are your non-negotiables? What are your priorities? These are things that you ought to think about. And then ask yourself... Ask yourself, what are your real priorities? Be honest with yourself. You say, well, I don't even know how to begin to think about that. Well, start with looking at your checkbook. Because wherever your money's going, that's your priority. You with me? That's one way, you know. But, but, but think about it honestly and say, really, what did it? You know, and I understand, you know, people will say, well, dude, I got to work. You know, I got to make a living. You know what? God knows that. I said, God knows that. And yes, we do need to work, but that should not be first. He should be first. And so the decision-making processes that we make about work need to be 
they need to come from the influence and the perspective of heaven. Are you with me? People say, well, I got to work. But you know, if you got kids in your life, all right, you got to work, but that means that there's a whole lot of other stuff that you're not going to be able to do. My son, Pastor Brian, is one of the best examples of that that I've ever seen in my life. Because, I mean, he's either working or he's with his family. I called him the other day. Well, we just talked last night. I said, I need some help. He says, sure, what's up? I said, well, I got this project that I'm doing, you know, and I need to, I got these great big windows and I just need some muscle to help me. He said, I'll talk with my wife and we'll figure out what my schedule is and we'll make it happen. But did you hear what he said? A lot of guys, they wouldn't even give consideration to that. Why? Because she's the one with the family schedule. And so whatever's going on with the family, that's what's going to happen. He bought a motorcycle. I told him, I said, you know, uh, when he was a kid growing up, he wanted a road bike. I said, I ain't buying you a road bike. I'll buy you a dirt bike. I'll buy you four wheelers. You can go out in the dirt, do whatever you want. I ain't putting you on the road. You get out of the house, you can do whatever you want. And he did that. He went and bought himself a motorcycle. He comes driving up in the driveway. I'm excited for him because he's got something he wants, you know, but he says, yeah, I'm going to go out and ride. I watch him go down the driveway. I ain't got nothing to ride, and I'm watching him. I'm going, (laughs) my lip popped out, all kinds of problems. I'm thinking, what's going on here? I want to go too. So I go buy one. Let's get one so we can ride together. Well, what's he do? He starts having kids. And then all of a sudden, priorities change. Are you with me? I said, hey, Brian, let's go for a roll. He goes, sorry, Dad, can't. What? No, I, you know, we got this thing going on, the kids are whatever, whatever, whatever. And so much so that it's set on a rack in his, his, his uh, garage for a while, and he sold it. He sold it. <laughs> sold the motorcycle, Reed. What is that? Smart. But a lot of people don't do that. Man, they got their fishing boat, baby, and I'm telling you what, we spent. Do you know how much a fishing boat is these days? I mean, you could spend like dollars $70,000 on a boat. Listen, I got a big pile of plywood I'll sell you. Come on. You know, but, but, but people, they don't think anything of it. And I'm not against a $70,000, you know, bass boat. Great, but not at the expense of a family going without because you've got to have your boat. Now, that's an extreme. You know, you understand what I'm saying? But it is a reality. Why? Because they don't care. Why? Because they have their priorities, and their priorities are ill-ordered. So they can't figure out when they come home some night, and they, you know, she says, you know what? We're done. What? What are you talking about? You know, I've been, you're an idiot. <laughs> That's all I got to say about that. And, and again, people will get mad, but come on, you guys, this is not rocket science. You got to put first things first. And if you'll do that, you'll be blessed. If you don't, you won't. It's just that simple. You say, yeah, but it is so hard. And I would say, I agree. There's a, I mean, life is, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. All right? And that's why we need him. That's why we need one another. That's why we need his help. 
And I could go on and talk about a lot of other things, but we're out of time. Hallelujah. So, so again, you know, what are you going to do? What are you going to do, child of God? You know? There's just decisions that we have to make. And, and so, I tell you what we're going to do. We're going to give God's Word its rightful place in our lives. Let's be smart. If it tells us that we're to put away lying, then stop it. Isn't that what it says? It says, provide things honest in the, in the sight of all men. Not little white lies, gray lies, or any other kind of lie. Start being honest. Are you with me? Yeah, but it doesn't really hurt. And by the way, you know, it kind of helps to my advantage. No, don't do that. Amen? Don't cheat on your taxes. Ooh. 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 We really got there now. Huh? Don't pay them any more than you have to. But pay what you owe. Well, I ain't going to give them that. That's the way... It's, it, it, is, it is such a trap. There is more money from where you got your other money. God will take care of you, will he not? Yeah, but they're so wasteful and they're this and that and they won't know it and blah, blah, blah. And you, you listen to all this shucking and jiving stuff, dude, and you're going to end up in the weeds. Are you with me? I remember one time I was talking to a guy. He was in our church for many years, 20-some years. But he got to thinking about all the money he was giving to the church. You know, he's doing the math, you know. He's analytical. He's doing the math. And he's figuring out everything that's going on, you know, in a year's time. And I could have told him that. I said, just call the office. The gal will tell you. Deanna will tell you how much you've given. But you know what his thinking was? He thought, do you know, and this thought didn't just come from him, he had help. Do you know what you could do with all that money you're giving the church? Well, I'd just like to make a correction here to begin with. You're not giving it to the church, you're giving it to him. And there's the difference. Huh? Don't think about it in the context of, yeah, you got to give it someplace. I understand that, some ministry or whatever the case might be. But the reality is, is that, you know, we're talking about what it is that he asks us to do so that when we participate in it, huh? Are you listening to me? That he can bless our lives, the work of our hands and everything like that. Well, needless to say, that guy is in no man's land. There was one of the men within our church here just recently, you know, that uh, came the end of the year and he had a great big bonus that came to him. And he talked about the, 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 the struggle that went on in his thought life about the tithe on that bonus. And, you know, he was just there for a moment. Wow. You know, what I could do with, you know, that number, whatever it was. And then he finally checked himself and said, that's dumb. And he cut the check and, and gave it away. Why? Because he's putting seed in the ground. I wish we had another hour. Glory to God. But, you know, he's putting seed in the ground. Why? For a harvest. It might be 117-day corn. It might be 120-day corn. It might be, I don't know, whatever the day is on the corn. But I'm telling you what, if you don't get it in the ground, you ain't getting no harvest. 
Huh? You with me? And, and, and so, you guys, we've got to pass these tests. I told you the story about my, you know, when God wanted me to give $150 to a ministry and I had $156 in my checking account. You know, it was a test. It wasn't about the money or anything. It's like, will you do it? Will you do it? That's, it God didn't care about the money. It, it, it's nothing to him. But it was something to me. And the same thing's true with all of you. This, this stuff is something to you. Amen? So you just have to, you know, you just, I don't know, I don't know any other way to say it. You've got to pass a test. It's a character thing, I think, more than anything else. You know, I mean, when you get into your fights with your wife or your husband, you're faced with a decision. You've got to decide what you're going to do. And it really is, it, it, it's a character issue. Okay? Boy, when I get to talking like this, I'm telling you, everybody just kind of shrinks down. And, you know, they kind of do. We all, come on, you guys. We're, we're human beings. We got stuff going on. What am I doing? I'm trying to tell you how to, how to win in this deal. You know? That's, that's all it is. It's, it's, I want you to win. And, and the thing of it is, is that when you get into the situations that you do in spousal relationships and stuff like that, it, it's, it's character. And, and what God wants you to do is take the high road, win the game, be a person of character, do what's right. If you need to ask him to forgive you, then ask them to forgive you. If you need to say, I'm sorry, those are two really powerful words then do it. Well, I ain't going to do it. I'm waiting on them. Okay, so now we're going to go on for another three days. Listen to me, you guys. It's dumb. Well, I'm right. She's wrong. Who cares? Is it worth? Don't be small. Don't be small. Be big. God expects more out of you. Even if you are right, take the initiative and, and, and take the blame. Fall on the sword. Hallelujah. <laughs> it's worth more than all the rest of this. And gosh, I got to quit. <sighs> what are we going to do? We're going to start putting his word first, amen? Now, maybe you already are, and if you are, praise the Lord. But maybe there's other areas in our lives that we need to take hold of the word of God. Maybe it's where fear is concerned. Maybe it's where anxiety and care and worry is concerned. You know, all this stuff that's going on in the world, shut it off. And don't expect at midterms when we have our red wave <laughs> that it's going to solve all the world's problems. not. The same devil is going to figure out another way to cause problems. Are you with me? You're, you can't put your hope in that. Amen. Go on down the road. You know, I think sometimes these people, you know, they interview them. And they ask them, well, you know, who's the, you know, commander in chief and who's this and that and the other. These people don't have a clue. I think sometimes ignorance is bliss. <laughs> I mean, it's not. But you understand what I'm saying? They don't have a clue. And they really don't care. Well, if only the child of God could understand the times and, and, and know what's going on but not care. You know what I'm saying? Because, I mean, at the end of the day, 
God is going to have the final word. You say, yes, but that could be so painful. It could, it could cost me this. It's already costing you. Huh? It's already costing you. So you might as well just decide, you know what, God, you're bigger than this, and I know it, and praise God, you're going to make a way where there is no way. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. We're all still eating pretty good, aren't we? Huh? Well, I'm not eating as good, as good as I used to. Well, that might be, but you haven't dried up and blown away yet. I'm just telling you that God will take care of you if you'll trust him, and i got to stop. Would you please stand up? Hallelujah. Woo! I wanted to talk to you about Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 6, and, and ain't none of that going to happen right now. How many are glad you came? How many are going to do some things differently? Come on now. Do some things differently, man. Come on. God is on your side. If, the, if God before you, who can be against you? Just, you know, now, here again. Good, Linda. Play. You guys stand. It'll help us come to the end somehow. But I'm telling you, this is important. Y'all ready for this? You have got to stop blaming everybody else for what's going on. Okay? Okay. Is it true that people are doing things corruptly and, and, and this and that and the other? Yeah, it is. Is it true maybe that your spouse or your kids or, you know, they went, you know, rogue on you or whatever? The case? Yeah, it might be. But listen, 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 listen. The blame game is the devil's game. It's not God's game. Some things that you know, are beyond your ability to control. Oh, that, we could be here for another hour on that. But there is someone that you have every right to decide how things are going to be with them, and that's you. Are you with me? I can't control my wife. I've been trying for 45 years, man. She's tough, tough, hard to, hard to handle. Hallelujah. You know? But you, you got to say, because here's the thing. When Adam was told that he could have dominion over everything and it was all his and he could do what he wanted to do, God just said, there's one tree that belongs to me and you leave it, don't, don't partake of it. You know, you can dress it and keep it, but you can't eat, partake from it. Well, he did. And you know the story, of course, you know when he did, he fell. He said, in, when you eat thereof, in dying you will die. He didn't die physically at the time, but eventually he did because of his separation from God. So when God came in the cool of the day, he said, where are you? And he said, well, I hid myself because I was naked. And he said, who told you you were naked? And he said, well, and then, and then, and then the blame game starts. I wouldn't be in this predicament, Lord, if it wasn't for the woman that you gave me. So he wasn't just blaming her, he was blaming God. He said, it's the woman that you gave me. It's not me. And today, you guys, it is like a plague within culture where people don't want to take responsibility for themselves, for their lives, for what's going on. And I'm just telling you, it's doctrine from hell, and it's destroying people. Don't let that happen to you. If you have to, praise God, step up, be the man, be the woman, 
Be the person of character and say, God, I, I am so sorry for where it is I've been in my thought life and what it is that I've been thinking about this, that, and the other. There's no place to begin except right here. That's humbling yourself under the mighty hand of God so that you can end up exalted in due time. Are you with me? Does that mean that some of the things that you see aren't true? No. But, but right here, dude, this is what you want to do. This is what you want to focus on and, and, and get that right so that you can help somebody else beyond you. Are you listening to me? Let's bow our heads together. Father, I just thank you so much for the Spirit of God and the unction of the Holy Ghost. And Father, we come together as a family of people here that both know and love you. And God, I'm so thankful for your desire to, to help us and to bless us. And so, Father, as I've communicated these things to these, your people, God, I pray that, they'll, that they won't be offended, that they won't take offense, that they won't let the devil steal what's been said, but, Father, that they'll take what it is they've heard and say, Lord, how does this apply to me? Is, is there a place that needs application? And, Lord, I ask you to help me to do that. While your heads are bowed, your eyes are closed, no one's looking around, you know, if you happen to be here this morning, you've never asked Christ to come into your heart and be the Lord of your life. Listen, there's a heaven to gain, friend, and there's a hell to run from. And Jesus came at just the right time, the scriptures say, in order that you might miss hell and make heaven. But he did say that whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. And so there is a responsibility if, if you're fatalistic in your thinking, you say, well, you know, I just believe, you know, maybe predestination is kind of your persuasion where you say, well, I, you know, I guess if God wants to save me, he will. And if he don't, I guess then, then, then I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to make it. Well, dear friend, I want to tell you right now, that is wrong thinking. You can make it, but the responsibility rests with you, not God. God's already done what he needs to do. He's asking you. He's looking to you to make a decision to receive Christ and the sacrifice he made for you. So all heads are bowed, eyes closed, no one's looking around. If you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life, genuinely. I'm not talking about some fake stuff, you know, where you go through the motions, but I mean giving him all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. If you've never done that, and you would say, Pastor, pray for me. I, I have an interest in your prayer. I want to know him. Then let me see your hand wherever you're standing. Anyone in this crowd here this morning, maybe someone there online, you know, you've never asked Christ to come into your heart, be the Lord of your life. Everyone pray this prayer with me. Say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you today. I ask you to forgive me of all my sins. Come into my heart. Be the Lord of my life. I receive you, Lord. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Now, you know, maybe that wasn't something that you needed, but there might be somebody here that they did need it. And sometimes, you know, people will say, well, I ain't raising my hand. I ain't this. I ain't that. You know, I ain't going to, you know, whatever. You, you have got to get to a place where you forget about caring what other people think. It doesn't matter what they think. The only thing that matters is what he thinks. Isn't that right? So as you make this pursuit in your life to follow him 
and to make God your first priority. Don't worry about what other people are going to say. Don't worry about what they're going to think or not think. Are you with me? Because here's the thing, you guys. I got to stop preaching. Here's the thing. You're, you're never going to make everybody happy. And at the end of the day, the only person that you need to make happy is him. And, and you can just say, God, I, I can't deal with this, but you can. Give it to him. And if they don't want to talk to you for the next 10 years, that's on them. Are you listening to me? Some of you, you've got relationships that are strained and messed up and jacked, you know, because people have made different decisions and things. And, you know, the devil come along, throw a bunch of guilt, a guilt trip on you, you know, and this and that and the other. But listen, know your own heart. Know what it is that, 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 that God has said and what you're doing. And, and, and don't trouble yourself about some of that stuff. Ask the Lord. Pray about it. Say, Father, let's... I ask you to open up a door, an opportunity, a, a window, you know, here where reconciliation can take place and leave it with him. This is for someone. I don't know who it is that's dealing with this particular circumstance in your life, but <clears throat> sometimes the devil will beat you up because the thing is, is a lot of times what the devil wants you to do is he wants you to compromise. And we're, we're not doing that. Okay. You know, Get the plumb line out. Here's the line, man. I mean, this is what, this is what we're doing. And, and, and be, be at peace with that. But at the same time, if here's the scripture. As much as rests within you, live peaceably with all people. In other words, do everything you can, but at the end of the day, you're still going to, you know, love God, serve God, do what's right. Does that make sense to you? You know, you've gotten like 16 sermons here today. Praise God, what a, what a, what a, what a smorgasbord that you have had. Hallelujah. Amen. Everybody went to the Golden Corral at Fellowship Church today, and they had whatever it is they wanted. But I tell you what, my wife and I, you guys, we love you guys. Every one of you, all of the people that are here, even those, you know, that maybe uh, can't be with us this morning, we're for you, man. I mean, we are in your corner to do anything and everything we can to help you to have the life that Jesus came to give you. So let's live for him. Amen. If we need to clean house, go home, clean house. If we got to do whatever it is we got to do, then praise God, let's do it. Let's make amends. Let's, let's put down our rocks or uh, hatchets or whatever it is you got in your hand. And let's live for God, man. We're living in the last days. Hallelujah. And if you can, please come join us tonight at six. We're going to pray in the Holy Ghost for our church. All right. You're standing. Let's greet one another that's around us and let's let them... Know that we love them, praise God, and you can be dismissed.